Welcome everybody to our Saturday regular talks on our Explaining the Faith series. I'm Father Chris Alar here from Stockbridge, Massachusetts at the National Shrine. It is a beautiful day out today, sunny. It's already in the mid to upper 60s. We're gonna hit like 73 today here. So what an amazing day live coming to you about here's the topic as you saw on the first slide. Now before I explain it, I just wanna say this. All of you, including myself, who are watching, want to get to heaven. And it is said to us by the saints that the quickest, easiest, and surest way, St. Louis de Montfort said, is Marian consecration. Now, you've probably heard about it all over your parishes and the programs with 33 Days and Father Mike Gately, and that is a beautiful thing, but we're going to take this today and um, explain to you the beautiful concept of what Marian consecration is. So let us begin with a prayer in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady, Mother of Mercy, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. As you can see on our slide, uh, Brother Mark will show you, this is a continuation of my Explaining the Faith series. We've already released the first 13 talks, which you can buy, as you see there, on DVD. You can get that <clears throat> or live streaming. You can visit shopmercy.org or you can live stream it at thedivinemercy.org slash explaining the faith or easiest, just call our 800 number for Marian, M-A-R-I-A-N, which is 462-7426. We'll be releasing the next wave in a few months, but go ahead and get that first 13 talks. I think you'll enjoy them. And this is a continuation of that. Okay, so today, as I said, I'm excited to talk about this topic because like you, we want to get to heaven. And our Lord offers us several ways to be able to do that. Now, with all the suffering going on in the world today, and it's pretty clear, right? It's pretty obvious. How does God provide for us? Well, you get up, you still have air to breathe, hopefully food to eat, water to drink. Some may not, and that's very difficult. But he provides for us in many, many ways, our material goods. But what we don't always thank God for enough, we always seem in our prayers to thank him heavily for our material goods, our family, um, the fact that we have our faculties, we can walk, talk, see, hear, smell, taste. But do we thank him for the spiritual gifts, such as the gift of a mother? Now, I thank him for my natural mother every day, but do we thank him regularly for one of the best ways that he provides for us which is the gift through the gift of his mother. Now we all know what child, and we are all obviously children of God, can survive without a mother. Well, Father, I didn't have a mother. She passed away at childbirth or there was a divorce. No, these things happen. But even for those who lose their earthly mother, Mary steps in to the motherly role. We have a priest here whose mother died when he was two. He doesn't remember his earthly mother. 
but he knows for a fact that Mary stepped in to that motherly role in his life. I think that's amazing. So we have God as a father, Jesus as a brother, but we also need a mother. This completes a family. You know, in the garden, God promised us the, well, there was a a promise of a savior, but there was also the gift of a mother, the promise of a mother. That's Genesis 3.15. Then what happened on the cross, Jesus now actually gives that gift that was promised way back in Genesis. So in Genesis, God the Father promised there'd be a savior and the gift of a mother, and all of a sudden in one swoop, the promise of a savior is there on the cross, and the gift of the mother is there at the foot. You know, a lot of people read Genesis 3.15, but they seem to forget about the Mary aspect. She is given to us by Christ as that gift of a real loving mother. You know, there's so many reasons why Mary is important. I want to show you this quick video of a guy that um, gave us permission to use his video. But warning, he talks faster than I do. But there's some really great things in this short video. So let's take a look. What do Catholics believe about Mary? Why do Catholics treat Mary so highly? Why do they put so much emphasis on Mary? Why do they go around and say, Hail Mary, Hail Mary all the time? Isn't that against the Bible? We're going to be talking about that in two minutes, right after this. Catholics love Mary, just as Jesus did, and we honor her highly. And why? Because God did. God was the first one to honor Mary by raising her up to be the mother of the Most High Son of God, the second person of the Holy Trinity, the Eternal One Himself. She was going to be His mother, the only one on earth in history to have this honor. And God says in Scripture, all through the Old Testament, that we must honor those who he honors. And so we just follow God's example by honoring Mary as he did. He was the one who raised her up. In fact, in Luke 1:42, Elizabeth, inspired by the Holy Spirit, cries out to Mary and says, "Blessed are you among all women. Blessed are you, and blessed is the fruit of your womb." I mean, we say that in the, the prayer of the Hail Mary, but she's blessing Mary, and we bless Mary as well in return. In fact, in Luke 1:48, all generations it says shall call all Mary blessed. Catholics just follow the example of the Bible. And if you want to see an actual conversation I had with two Bible Christians on the street corner about this topic, check it out up there. But the bottom line is that Mary is blessed. We know that she's not God. We know she's just a creature. And without God, she's nothing, nothing at all without God. Here's the way Catholics see it. Imagine if you go to a museum and you see the most beautiful picture, the most beautiful work of art you've ever seen in your whole entire life. And you just can't stop looking at it. Everyone's crowding around it. They're all complimenting different parts of it. And then all of a sudden, the artist who painted it comes up from behind. Do you just look at the artist and say, oh, oh, hi, how you doing? No, you'd be like, you painted this? Everyone would flock to the artist, wanting to shake his hand, wanting to get an autograph. How did you do it? How long did it spend? You are magnificent. Your work of art is amazing. They praise the artist. Now, of course, they're looking at the painting and they're honoring it and they're remarking about how wonderful it is. But once they see the artist, 
All praise goes to the artist. Now, Mary's wonderful. God made her so beautiful and obedient and humble and a great woman of faith. And we respect and honor her for that. But we give all praise and all glory and all honor to God because he's the one who made her. He's the one who sustains her. He's the one who does all that in her. And we praise him through the work that he made. Okay, so that's a very... Uh, great ministry he has going on there, and we're grateful he gave us permission to show that video. But as I said, I think he talks faster, actually, than I do. Um, all right, so the important thing here to know is this is scriptural. And I do a whole talk on Mary, especially in the scriptures, that I did one of the first few weeks of this whole Explaining the Faith series. And you can see that talk I did on Mary the gift of God's mercy way back in, I think it was June, May or June when I did it. But here's what I want to point out in this talk, different from those other talks, and that is <clears throat> the role of Mary. Okay, in the gospel, we hear uh, tomorrow, in tomorrow's gospel passage, about the king who invites people to attend a wedding. All right, and it's really obviously a story about God um, inviting us to the wedding feast of his son. Now, people might ask, what wedding? The wedding of Christ, his son, to the church. Well, what makes up the church? The church is the body of Christ. Okay, now, since Mary is the mother of Jesus, she is also the mother of the church because it is his body. So stay with me. And since we make up the church, she is also the mother of us because she was given to us from the cross. And also she's the mother of Christ. Christ's body is the church. Therefore, she's the mother of the church who makes up the church we do. Therefore, she's the mother of us as well. And since there's no salvation outside of Jesus and his body is the church, we need the church also for salvation. So, to be a full member of the church, you need the mother of the church. You need the church's mother. Therefore, that is Mary. So, what are you saying, Father? The bottom line is God gave us the church and the mother of the church to get us to heaven. That's the bottom line. These are the tools. Now, let's look at our next slide because trust is the key. You've heard me say this in my Faustina talk. Trust is the key. Jesus said trust is the key to everything. It's the vessel by which all grace is received. You want to get to heaven? As we've been saying, I want to, you want to. You, gotta, you can't get to heaven without grace. And grace is given by Mary. We'll talk about that in a minute. And Jesus said trust is the vessel by which all grace is received. So here it is. You want to get to heaven? I keep saying this. Yes. Okay. Well, we got to understand we need grace. Okay. Well, how do we get grace? Through Mary. How do we then receive it? Trust. Trust is the vessel by which all grace is received. And in this talk, I'm going to try to tie this all together. So when we trust someone, which is the key, what does that mean? It means you accept their help. That help is a gift. So why wouldn't you accept it? We only accept help from those people we trust. That's why we have to trust God. You know, um, 
And when we accept it, it should be joy. We should have happiness that God gives us the gift of, of a mother, not skepticism, but joy. You know, at Christmas, we are happiest when we see our gifts to our children given with joy. Uh, for me, it was my niece and nephew. For you all, it might be your children. When you give those gifts that you see them received with joy, you're happy, and it's the same with God. So God is happy when he sees us receive his gifts with joy, not, again, skepticism. So if we trust God, we accept this gift of Mary's help with joy. Now, how do you do that? How do you fully accept and utilize this gift? The answer, you consecrate to her. This is the answer. So Marian consecration is basically dedicating yourself to Jesus using the help of Mary. It's not uh, worship of Mary, okay? This works because nobody knows Jesus better than his own mother. So let's talk about the mother. Next slide. We are commanded by God to honor our mother, right? We are commanded to honor our mother and our father. So honor thy mother. Jesus did, okay? And so in Catholic teaching, Consecration to Mary does not diminish or substitute our love for God. This is very important because this is what we are accused of. And you're like, Father, I know this, okay? But yeah, but do you, can you explain it? Can you explain it to those who aren't in their faith of the Catholic Church because of the roadblock of Mary? Well, I get it. Mary's important, but how do we explain it to those? All right? It doesn't diminish or substitute our love of God. It actually enhances it. Okay, as we are commanded to honor our mother and all consecration is honoring Mary, but ultimately the consecration is made to God, not to her in the sense of she's the end. It's made to and through her that ultimately the end is God. You know, I like my next slide because this here, we're, we're approaching Advent and Advent begins a new journey. So let's look up at our, new, or our next slide. Advent begins a new journey. May Mary, our mother, be our guide. You may have heard me say before that I always think of it as climbing Mount Everest. If you're to go to Mount Everest, well, you know what? I'll even use a better example. When, um, when we go into the deep woods, when I went up to Alaska and I wanted to go see some grizzly bears. Everybody thought I was nuts. I wanted to go deep into the woods up in Alaska to see live wild grizzly bears. <clears throat> Do you think I ever would have done that on my own? Heck no, I would have got eaten alive. You need a guide. Now my ultimate goal was not that guide. It wasn't to get into the woods and turn around to the guy and say, hey, you're the end and goal of my visit to these woods. My name is Chris, your name is John. Tell me about yourself. Well, God bless him. He was a good man, but that was not the end goal. The end goal was to see the grizzly bears. The guide was my way to get there. The guide was the guide to find them. It's just like Mary. She guides us to find our end goal, which is Jesus. She's like the ultimate GPS. As I've said, when you're riding down the road, I love the GPS because it tells you, you're, you're on the wrong road. Make a U-turn. And this is what Mary can do for us. Now, I, after I became a priest, I, I, I had a friend that called me and said, you know, Father, I just, I left the Catholic Church. I'm sorry. I just can't worship Mary. And I'm like, you know what? Neither can I. And, um, you know, people have a misconception. 
We don't worship Mary, obviously. I think most of you know that. Non-Catholics don't know that. <clears throat> but what we do is honor the special role she was given to us, like our own mother in one sense, all right? Think about when you were a kid. Um, who took care of you? Who provided food for you? Who got your clothing, got you off to school, helped you with your homework, did all these things for you, got you dressed, had your lunch ready? You trusted her to make things happen for you. And she came through for you. Again, even if those families that were unfortunately lost a mother, um, there was in many ways Mary behind the scenes that I don't think you don't even know through maybe giving grace to your dad who maybe raised you as a single father. Or maybe unfortunately you had neither parent but yet there was grace in a foster home. Whatever it might be. The thing is we need to trust God with this gift. The Image of divine mercy says it. Jesus, I trust in you. How? How do I trust, Father? I don't know. You know, trust, as I said, is using the tools and the help he gives. That shows God you trust him. All right? So Jesus said what hurt him the most during his passion was not our sins, but our lack of trust in him. And so, um, as I've, I said before, God offers this help if we accept it. That is showing our trust. But people are like, ah, Father, this is still replacing God. I don't need anybody between God and me. No, you don't. But you need a way to get to God. Once you get to him, he fulfills everything. But the challenge is getting to him. And remember what Marian consecration does. It's the easiest, quickest, and surest way to get to him. She's not our end goal. It's to Jesus through Mary. That is our Catholic faith. You know, St. Louis de Montfort said it best. He said, Jesus came into the world through Mary, so we should also go through Mary back to God. All right? She, he said, formed Jesus in the womb. She can form us in a similar way if we let her. She is the perfect mother. And as Father Don Calloway always says, you know what, if you had the power to make your own mother, which God did, wouldn't you make her perfect? And so this is the essence of Marian consecration, to give Mary our yes. I give you, Mary, permission to form me into another Christ. You form Christ in the womb, you have my permission to form me into another Christ. And that is why we turn to her and to be able to do that. Now, let's keep going here. Our next slide is basically what does consecration mean? Look at the symbols there. Those are all symbols of the fire and, and the dove. These are all symbols, scripture, of consecration. So what exactly does to consecrate something or someone mean? All right, when something or someone is consecrated, it means they are set apart by God to be holy. Now, our next slide shows you where it comes from. That's the Latin, all right? Consecrare. The con means together, and the sacrare means sacred. And so this is what we have in consecration. Now, in baptism, this is really important here. See if you can stay with me. When we were in baptism, or received our baptism, we were set apart for the Holy Trinity. This is why baptism is needed for salvation. Please, if you have any family members who have not 
baptized your grandchildren or you yourself haven't baptized your children, please pray on this. Baptism is very critically important. People say, well, Father, I'm going to let them grow up to 18 years old and let them make the choice. No. When your child was born, you didn't say, I'm going to let them grow up to be 18 to decide if they want to be a member of our family or not. No, when they were born, they were born into your family from day one. This is my child, one day old. The baby didn't say, mumble the words at one day old. Well, I've decided that I don't want to be a part of your family. No, they're a part of your family. They were born into it. That's why baptism at the earliest infant age is bringing that person into the family of God. It is being baptized is to become now adopted children of God. And so this baptism is critically important. And, you know, you don't need both parents to agree to a baptism. Uh, Only one has to. So if your daughter's spouse is saying, no, I don't want to, the daughter alone can have those children baptized. And so we're not, I'm not inviting you to go against the wishes um, uh, uh, of a spouse or anything. No, no, no. But I'm just saying you need to see that there's an importance here. All right. So in baptism... We were set apart for the Holy Trinity. Now, we were changed forever at our baptism. And we were pledged to the exclusive service of God by God. Now, that baptismal baptism was a consecration. So you were consecrated at your baptism, but it represents only the beginning of a full life of consecration. So it was like in the very beginning, you were consecrated to begin this journey. So if you've only been baptized, it's kind of like filling the gas tank. You're ready to go, but then you never pull the car out of the driveway. We got to go out. And then the fullness of that consecration is yet to come. So when you are baptized, that represents the beginning of it. Now God has chosen us for a lifetime of Christian holiness. And in Romans eleven twenty nine, 29, he says, this call that I called you to at your baptism is irrevocable. So we have a moral obligation to see it through once we've been baptized to live this life. But God does not do anything in us or to us or force us without our cooperation. So the sad thing is, is some people never respond to the grace of their baptism. How do I respond, Father? I want to respond to the grace of my baptism. Fulfill it by making that consecration go to a different level. We must continually give ourselves to God to ask for and to seek holiness on a daily basis. This is where the Protestants, God bless them, they say, once save, always save. This is not true. This is not scriptural. Conversion is daily. We have to daily convert, uh, or excuse me, live conversion. We could fall into mortal sin any day of the year, any day of the week. And if we do, we have to get back into a state of grace. That's the beauty of confession. And so we have to seek holiness on a daily basis. Paul says, I must work out by salvation with fear and trembling. He didn't say once, oh, I'm saved and now I can go do what I want. Our hope is to do this every day until it becomes a natural habit that it lasts throughout our life. Every day we don't even have to think about it. We just live this. What are you living, Father? Your baptismal consecration. Well, Father, my spark and my flame and my soul is kind of dying out right now. 
Well, invoke it, invigorate it, inflame it. How? By consecrating to Mary. She helps you to do this life of service to God, to become a holy disciple set aside for God and not just physically set aside, but now living your baptismal consecration. How to be a holy disciple like she is. Now, there's many consecrations out there, but why Marian consecration? We have many other consecrations. Let's look at our next slide. Marian consecration, why that particular one is so powerful. God willed that Mary would have a special role in our Christian life, all right? This was very, very important. How do we know this? Let's go to our next slide. We know this because Christ gave her to us as our spiritual mother at the foot of the cross. There's Mary and John. This is from John 19, 27. Jesus tells John, who represents all of us, to take her into his home, how does that apply to me, Father? Because Christ is telling us to take her, like John, into our hearts. Your home is your heart. The home is where the heart is. So when Jesus says, take her into your home, he's saying, take her into your heart. Miriam consecration is saying yes to this gift, the gift of a mother given by Jesus at the foot of the cross. And this is powerful stuff that I'm going to explain more about, but I think this little clip that I'm going to show you now, it's my last video, but it's a short clip from Father Mike Gately, really takes the essence and, 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 and was the launch of his book, mega hit book, 33 Days to Morning Glory. Let's watch this quick video. What is Marian consecration and why should you do it? That's what I want to cover in the short time that we have together right now. And I'm going to start backwards. Why should you do it? Before I tell you what it is, why should we do it? Well, because according to St. Louis de Montfort, he says that total consecration to Jesus through Mary is the quickest, easiest, surest, and most perfect way to become a saint. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to become a saint and I also need all the help I can get. Maybe you're the same way. So what do we do? We do the Marian consecration, the total consecration of Jesus through Mary. Well, what is it? Basically, the best sort of short summary I can give of it is if we go to the foot of the cross and we look at Jesus and we read John, the Gospel of John, chapter 19, verses 26 through 27, where Jesus looks down and he sees his mother at the foot of the cross and he sees John, the beloved disciple, who represents all of us because we're all beloved disciples of Jesus. And looking and seeing his mother, he says, woman, Behold your son. And then to John, behold your mother. And the text continues that he then took her into his own home. That's what Marian consecration is. It's a gift that Jesus gives to us from the cross of, of his own mother as our mother. And he invites us to accept Mary into our hearts as our mother and bring her into our own home. And what he means by our own home means into our hearts, that we share with her our joys, our sorrows, our hopes, our fears, and that we walk with Mary who is always leading us to Jesus. And basically what the consecration is then is it's to say yes to this this invitation of Jesus from the cross. It's to say, yes, Jesus, I accept the gift that you give to me of Mary as my spiritual mother. I receive her, I love her just as you love her, and I will allow her to form me in holiness just as you allowed her to form you when you were a little baby and teach you how to pray in some ways. So Jesus, 
thank you for, it's basically saying, Jesus, thank you for the gift of your mother, and I accept it, and I'll take all the help I can get. And so that's the gift of Marian consecration. Probably my favorite part about it is that it's the easiest way. And what that means is we as Christians will still carry the cross in our lives, right? That's the job of Christian life is to take up our cross and follow Jesus. The beauty of having Mary as part of our lives is she helps make the crosses into something sweet. That just as our mothers when we're sick gives us medication and if it's bitter, she puts honey on the spoon when we take it and it's not so bad. That's what Mary can do with the crosses in our life. It's an incredible gift. I consecrated myself to Jesus through Mary when I was a freshman in college and it changed my life. Everything changed. John Paul II, he consecrated himself to Jesus through Mary when he was 18 and he said it was the decisive turning point in his life. So I invite you to make the total consecration to Jesus through Mary. And if I may do a shameless book plug, I wrote a book about it to make it easier than ever before to do the consecration. It's called 33 Days to Morning Glory. Uh, and it's a 33-day preparation for Marian consecration. You can get it through Marian Press at 1-800-4-MARIAN. And I hope you'll do the consecration. God bless you. Okay, so hopefully that was a good short summary for you instead of having to understand all kinds of concepts. I think that narrows it down. And I, I wanted to add one little interesting tidbit to Jesus giving Mary on the cross. You know, some people have argued that, well, come on, you know, Jesus, John was the youngest disciple. He was a teenager. He still needed a mother to help cook for him and clean for him and take care of him and do his laundry and all this and that. He was a young, immature young man. And Jesus wanted to take care of him and gave him his mo a mother, Mary, to take care of him and make sure he was provided for. No, not exactly. How do we know this? Matthew 27 says, Jesus did not basically give, I think, Mary to John as a natural mother. You know why? Because Matthew 27 says, John's natural mother was right next to him. It says the, uh, the mother of the sons of Zebedee was there at the foot of the cross. Who's the sons of Zebedee? James and John. So the mother of the sons of Zebedee was there. So Jesus wouldn't have given Mary to John to be a natural mother to help take care of him. He already had one. He was giving John Mary as a spiritual mother and said, take her into your home like us, our hearts, to be our spiritual mother. In fact, it's so powerful. Did you, did you know that that's not the only person that Jesus said, or uh, that God said to take Mary into your home? Let's look at our next slide. Joseph, you might have forgotten this. The son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, into your home. So you see, God is emphasizing in more than one instance of taking Mary into our home or again, our hearts. This is really good stuff. So all Christians of every age are to do this. It's in scripture. It doesn't say just you Catholics. We are all to do this. Our hearts, minds, in every aspect of our life, we can invite her in to help. This is why we pray to her and through her, not worship asking for her assistance and intercession. If we were worshiping her, we would say that Mary, um, you're, you're the ultimate, the highest level, nothing else is above you. No, we don't. We all know God is. But Mary intercedes for us. She aids us. Well, Father, it doesn't say that in the Bible. Actually, yes, it does. Really? Where? 
Turn to 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 19 and following. In the Davidic kingdom, which Jesus came from, the mother was the queen, not the wife. These, the Solomon and others had hundreds of wives. And as you've heard me say, well, if that's the case, who was, who was the queen? Was it the first wife, the oldest wife, the smartest wife, the prettiest wife? Who was the queen? He had all these wives. Were there 700 queens? No, there was one, and the queen was the mother. <clears throat> so let's look at the slide. Here's a picture of the queen in the Davidic kingdom. This is the mother at the right hand of the king. This is a beautiful biblical image of the Davidic kingdom where the mother was the queen. She had the function of a counselor to the king in regards to all matters. Don't believe me? Go to Proverbs 31. It was the queen mother who directed and determined who went before the king. She counseled the king. She was his mother. Most times it is easier for us to go through someone else to ultimately get to our objective. You know, um, I say it's easier to get to someone who's really high up through someone maybe lower because they can, they can intercede for us. I mean, if you wanted to get to meet um, the president of IBM, all right, and you say, you know, I, I, I really want to meet the president of IBM, but you're not going to just necessarily feel comfortable walking right into his office. Most of the time you'd say, you know what, um, I know his secretary. I wonder if her secretary could put in a good word for me. Now for all the non-Catholics listening, I'm going to have a hard time believing you've never done that. I'm going to have a hard time believing you've never gone to somebody else and say, hey, can you say a good word for me? Could you help me maybe get in the good side with this person? Could you help get me in front of this person? Because, well, I go directly to God. Yes, but sometimes we're not ready. Well, Father, I just walk barge right into the office and sit down in front of God. Really? You better be spotless. And Mary helps you get ready. She's the ultimate wedding planner. The wedding is going to be you to Christ the groom, we the church, and no better person than the mother of the bride, or in this case, the groom, to get the bride ready. And so you don't want to just barge in and start sitting down and demanding an audience unless you're ready. I'm not ready yet. And odds are maybe many of you aren't. Some are. God bless you. But I got a lot of cleaning up to do before I'm ready to meet our Lord, and I want Mary to help clean me up, get my life in order, get myself fixed up, picked up, cleaned up, instead of being messed up. And this is what she, her role is for us. It's beautiful. And so this is what she does in intercession. Now, one of the other ways she intercedes for us is I call her the perfect prayer broker. You know, Marian consecration in another sense, is spiritual, is, is basically the spirituality of allowing Mary to have everything you have and everything you are, giving all your merits to her. Father, what's a merit? Anything you do through your good works, your prayers, your penances, your sacrifices. Now, when you entrust yourself to her, not worshiping, but you give her all those merits and you say, Mary, I trust you to distribute those graces where they should go. 
This is very important. She is your prayer broker. If you put all your prayers in her hands, this is what is so beautiful about Mary. And this is, I can speak from personal experience. When I came back to my faith in my 20s, 30s, early, really strong, it was really hard because I tried to pray for everybody. I tried to pray for my mom and my dad and my sister, that's a given, but my cousins and the, my neighbors and my friends and my distant relatives and, and, and all the people, my classmates, my teammates, all of a sudden, I'm finding myself overwhelmed. I'm trying to pray for everybody and I'm getting discouraged because I'd fall asleep that night and I wouldn't get to everybody and I ended up losing heart and stopped praying altogether. I bet some of you have done this before. So it got so bad that I decided to, to, to design an Excel spreadsheet. And I basically categorized all the names I was going to pray for. And then it got to be too much. So then I had to put different names on different days. So sorry, cousin Joey, you only get every Tuesday. Now, uh, neighbor John, you get Wednesdays. And all the other people along with you on Wednesday. It became very, very difficult and so all of a sudden I'm looking at this, I'm like, I can't do this. Pretty soon everybody had to only get once a month prayed for because there were too many people. All of a sudden it occurred to me through Marian consecration, what you do is whatever you do in a prayer for the day, be it a rosary or a chaplet, you don't have to sit there. And if you do, God bless you. But you don't have to sit there 20 minutes in litanies before the prayer saying, and Lord, I pray for this person and this person. Oh my gosh, I forgot this person and I forgot this person. God bless you if you do but I can't do that I don't have the time you probably don't either but I don't have the memory and then I feel terrible if I forget somebody so you know what you do you say Mary I'm printing this chaplet of divine mercy in your hands and I'm offering it for all those souls I am obligated to pray for or the soul that God wants me most to pray for that I'm not even aware of that's in most in need of his mercy. You want to cover everything? You can do it in that one sentence. That one sentence. God, I offer up this rosary. God, I offer up this mass. God, I offer up this suffering, these joys, these sorrows, this, this um, um, uh, chaplet of St. Michael. I place this through the hands of Mary. Mary, you're the mediatrix of all graces. We'll talk about that in a minute. She gives out graces as a gift of God. God is the head. It all comes from him, but she's the neck. It all goes through her to the body of Christ, okay? So if you put those prayers in her hands and you say, Mary, okay, there's a million people I need to pray for, and I can't think of them all right now. I'm placing this chaplet and rosary in your hands. You please distribute the graces to the souls I'm most obligated to pray for. You know who they are better than I do, or the soul in most need of God's mercy. Wow. Then you never have to worry that you forgot somebody. And they say, well, Father, I really feel I got a name. And well, okay, but it's an even bigger act of trust if you trust Mary to know who they are. And that's a great act of trust. And remember, trust is the way that this all works. So it's a beautiful thing. This prayer broker is basically, what is a broker? A broker you give your money to and you let the, the broker distribute your money, invest it, and then gives you more money back. So Mary, as your prayer broker, you're basically giving her prayers, your prayers, and you're dis she, she's distributing them, and then she's going to give those graces back to you. I mean, this is incredible. 
And so, like the quickest way to riches is through a good broker, finance broker, as we keep saying. She's the quickest, surest, and easiest way to holiness because she brings those graces back and the merits that your prayers now cover a lot more ground than you trying to distribute them. It's a lot easier instead of me walking all around the country trying to distribute my prayer graces to just give them to Mary and let her do it all in a swoop. That's an important part of Marian consecration that a lot of us forget. I think it's powerful stuff. But Father, I only go to Jesus. Jesus does that. Well, yes, but Mary was given this role to be the mediatrix, and we're going to talk about that. So, so Father, I only go to Jesus. This whole Marian thing takes away from my relationship with Jesus. Really? Hmm. On the contrary. Consecration to Mary heightens the depths of our commitment to Christ. It is a way to express explicitly that our ultimate goal and end is God because it was for her too. As Vatican II teaches, let's look at our next slide. Calling upon Mary's intercession does not hinder in any way the immediate union of the faithful with Christ, but on the contrary, fosters it. This is powerful stuff. You know, Scott Hahn once gave our retreat here. I told this story a while ago, but you know what? I think it's worth mentioning. You don't want to think that, it, that honoring Mary takes away from God? No. He said, Scott Hahn said, imagine you're at a, went back in time and you're at a medieval art fair. And in that art fair, you walk in and there's all the artists sitting with their, their masterpiece, their best artwork of all. And you see Michelangelo. What's his masterpiece? Let's look at our next slide. The masterpiece of Michelangelo, the Pieta. Look how beautiful that is. That is incredible. Now, Scott Hunt said, imagine that you go up to Michelangelo and the next to him is the Pieta and you, you, you smile at him, but then you turn to the Pieta and you say, oh my, this piece, look at this. Look at this artwork. This brings me closer to God. This hits me to the soul. This art is incredible and brings me closer to God. Scott Hahn says, do you think Michelangelo is going to look at you and say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I'm offended. You're not paying attention to me. You're focused on my art. Scott Hahn said, that's crazy. You honor the art, you honor the artist. What's God's greatest work of art? Mary. So you honor the greatest art of his, his work of his art. You honor him, the artist. This is phenomenal stuff. And so this is what we have. So by consecrating ourselves to Mary, we are not taking away from God because she will always point us to back to Jesus, back to the heart. Why? Because her will is perfectly united to his. It never differs from God's will. And as a creature, she shows us how to do that. Mary's life was set aside for the sole purpose of serving God. This is an example of what the saints are. Why do we have saints? Catholics, you're crazy. You have saints. Saints are examples. They give us examples of how to follow God. It's like how to be the best you can be at following God. What is a good example of, of, of being a good football player? Barry Sanders, all right? The greatest football player who ever lived from Detroit, right? So, He's an example. Barry Sanders is the saint of football because he's the perfect example. He was a consummate professional on and off the field. Never criticized anybody. Never drew attention to himself. Never caused big scenes. Scored a touchdown. Nicely hand the ball to the referee. 
Anybody who wanted their kid to grow up to be a great football player and a person said, look at Barry Sanders. This is what the saints do. You want to be a follower of God? Follow the saints. This is their example. So by following Mary as the best of all examples, we can completely give ourselves to Christ. So it's just not for Catholics. This is the key here. It's not just for Catholics, but for anyone who wants to get closer to God and bring others closer to God. This is powerful. This is what evangelization is. In fact, the new evangelization, you've heard that term, is a call to continual conversion in Christ and the work of drawing others to Christ into the same way. Now, Marian consecration aids in this work in a powerful way because it entrusts our lives and efforts, obviously to Mary, who then directs everything and everyone perfectly back to her son. Not just Catholics need that. Through Mary, the Lord is able to work very strongly through us in drawing others back to himself. We are all called to do this, as I said, not just Catholics. So non-Catholics shouldn't fear Mary. They should embrace this gift. And this is why we call her, our next slide, the co-redemptress. Oh, now you've gone too far, Father. There is one Redeemer, that is Jesus Christ our Lord. You, you calling her a co-redemptrix, meaning co-redeemer in the female sense? That is way too far, Father. You've drawn the line. I can't cross that. Well, God bless you, neither can I. Because there is only one pure, true, one and main redeemer, Jesus Christ. She is co-redeemer, not meaning equal to. Co in Latin is cum, which means not equal to, but with. And Mary is co-redeemer in the sense that she worked with Christ. She gave him his body, his tool of redemption. Christ could not redeem us without his body. And he could not have gotten his body without Mary. That makes her a mini co-redeemer. Not the redeemer. Not equal to. Co means cum in Latin, meaning with so with Jesus, she gave him his body, which became the tool of our redemption. How do you know this, Father? Well, Paul calls us co-workers in the vineyard. He says we're co-workers with God in the vineyard. Well, does that mean we're equal to God? No. It doesn't mean equal. It means we're with him, out laboring in the vineyard to save souls. She is co-redemptrix by her fiat. So we can be many co-redeemers, too, when we say yes, like she did. Yes, God. How? Through our prayers and accepting our sufferings. This is hard, but you know, a demon, one time God makes demons sometimes tell the truth, and a demon told John Vianney, John Vianney that 80,000 souls were saved from hell because of his prayers and sufferings alone. Now, that does not mean that I'm saying that all the grace came from John VNA. No, it came from God, but it went through John VNA. He uses us as tools. We are not the start of it. We are the tool by which it is used from God. This is why we call Mary, the next slide, the mediatrix of grace. The first one was co-redemptrix. This one is Mary mediatrix. 
These are the proposed fifth Marian dogmas. I talk about the four Marian dogmas in my other Mary talk, can't do that today. But what does that mean, mediatrix of all graces? And I'm sorry, when I said mediator earlier, I was actually talking about redemptrix, so I'm sorry I messed that up a second ago. When I said there's only one mediator, and that's Jesus Christ, I was actually referring to her as co-mediatrix. Co-redemptrix is redeemer, so I apologize. I said mediator earlier, I meant redeemer under co-redemptrix. Now we're at co-mediator or co-mediatrix. Yes, Jesus Christ is the only mediator and the only redeemer, but she worked in both of those. So the first one was she was co-redeemer. She gave him his body. She worked in the sense of redemption. Now she's co-mediatrix, which means she distributes those graces. How does that work? God is the head. Mary is the neck, and all graces go through the neck from the head to the body. When you eat, it goes from the mouth, the head, through the neck to fuel the body. This is what Mary's role is. <clears throat> and so there was a promise of Mary as the gift of a mother in the garden who was to give us what we need to distribute those graces, the mediatrix of those graces. We are inclined to go in many ways to a father if we have a loving mother. When we have a loving mother, we can go to that person. It's a lot easier sometimes. You know, I tell the story when I was a kid and my, um, my father had this fishing pole when we would go fishing together. And it seemed like he always would catch the biggest and most fish with that fishing pole. And you know, as a 10 year old, you're gonna look for excuses. And I, I, I thought the reason he caught more than me and bigger ones than me was because the rod was magic. And I always wanted to use that rod, but my dad, that was his rod. And it wasn't like he didn't give me any rod. I mean, we had, you know, there was like 20 rods in the basement and he would say to me, you can use any fishing rod you want in the basement, just not this rod. Kind of sounds like the garden of Adam and Eve, right? You can eat from any tree in the garden, just not this tree. So what the heck did Adam and Eve, they ate from the one tree they weren't supposed to. What did I do? Sure enough, I went and wanted to fish with that one rod, not the other 20. So one day when my dad's out to work, sure enough, my buddies come over, they con me into going fishing. I give them their two rods and then I'm running upstairs. I stole my dad's rod thinking I'll put it back before he gets home from work, he'll never know. And as I'm running through the door, you got it. I had it over my shoulder. I run through the door and slam the door behind me and sure enough, snap, went the fishing rod. I always say I'm living proof that a 10 year old boy can't die of a heart attack <laughs> because I would have. But sure enough, what happened? Did I wait for my dad to come home and me approach my dad and say, you know, dad, I'm sorry. No, I was afraid. And God knew after the fall in the garden, we'd be afraid of him. So he, in his loving mercy, gave us the gift of a mother to cushion, to cushion us when we try to approach him. Because sometimes we might be afraid and he doesn't want us to be afraid. What did I do? I ran to my mother and started crying, mom, mom, don't let dad be mean at me. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. So what happened, my dad comes home that night, he sees me crying. And my dad's like, what did he do? And my mom holds up the broken fishing rod. And my dad was a good man, just man. And I tell you, don't ever think never disciplining your children is always good for them because it's not true. Discipline sometimes is good. My dad was never abusive. He was always lovingly disciplined. He was a Marine. And I knew that I was going to get my spanking. But what was interesting 
He looked a little more mad that day than ever, and he actually started to take off his belt. I knew the time of chastisement was near. <laughs> and all of a sudden, my mother met him head on, and she stopped him halfway across that floor. And she said, don't touch him. It wasn't going to be bad. It was just going to be the swat, but she stopped it. Just like Mary at Fatima talked about holding back the hands of God's chastisement. Mary's that loving mother that can do that. We don't understand how the power of Mary can do this. Now, not power that comes from her, but because God placed her in this role to intercede for us to be that buffer. This is really important stuff. And so when we realize Mary's rule, we don't get it. And that is why Satan actually fears Mary. According to Monsignor Leon Christiani, Satan actually fears Mary more than God. Father, now you're really crazy. I thought you were crazy earlier, but now you've really been crazy. Well, I think Monsignor Leon Christi has a, Christiani has a valid point here. Why would Satan fear Mary more than God? Well, if you heard my first talk on Mary, I won't do the whole story, but in essence, um, as you could tell, I'm a, I'm a wrestler, not a basketball player. Um, I started wrestling in third grade. And as I got older, I got to be a pretty good. And I get into high school, my sophomore year, I was undefeated and I'm getting ready for my junior year and <clears throat> had some setbacks. But the important thing was this. I always tell one of two stories. There was one about wrestling, the one, number, number one wrestler in the United States named Dave Dameron, and I also had the honor of wrestling number one wrestler in the nation of Japan. And both of them were kind of the same story, same effect. But anyway, I'll, I'll use the Japanese wrestler. I, I, <clears throat> when I was a senior, I got picked for a wrestling all-star team out of Michigan that wrestled the Japanese national team that came over from Japan to wrestle us. And this wrestler that I drew was 156 and zero. And nobody expected me to win, not even my coach nor my father. But with the grace of God, I hung in there pretty good. And I lost, but it was a close match. I lost four to two. And I actually could have won that match. I look back at it now, I always think, wow, I could have won that match if I would have done a few things differently. But the bottom line was afterwards, my father and my coach, who never said good job after a loss, said good job. This, this was the Japanese national champion. You weren't expected to beat this guy, and man, you hung in there. You weren't expected to beat him. I mean, th this is the national champion. Well, in a sense, Satan's the same way. He knows he can't beat God. He's not stupid. But then I want to reverse back to being a kid. And when I was a kid, having to wrestle a girl was more than a 10-year-old boy could handle. So I'm sitting there in line once to draw a wrestling match against a girl, and we're, we're heading to the match to wrestle, and this girl starts mouthing off. Well, I won this tournament, and I won that tournament, and I won this match, and I won that match. All of a sudden, I'm petrified. Not because I'm not sure of myself, but because if I make a mistake and lose to a little girl, this is terrifying because of my pride. As a little boy, I had pride. And so if I lose to this little girl, my dad's going to disown me. My coach will never speak to me again, I'm thinking. My friends will laugh me off the playground. Why was I so scared? Because 
I could understand people could see losing to the Japanese national champion, but to lose to a little girl, that was more than my pride could handle. So Satan, it's the same way. He can halfway understand losing to God because God is God. He knows that. He wasn't in that sense surprised, but to lose to a 15-year-old little Jewish girl Somebody created below him, because remember, the angels are created above man, and so this woman, this 15-year-old little Jewish girl is created below him, and he now is going to have the opportunity because she's now been elevated above the angels by the gift of her immaculate conception, and through the gift of the incarnation, God has elevated man above the angel by grace, by nature the angel is higher, by grace man is elevated higher, and Satan's like, no way. So to lose to God is one thing, but to lose to a 15-year-old Jewish girl, that's more terrifying to his pride. And this is why God gives us this gift of Mary. This is who she is. She strikes fear into the demons. They flee at her name of her, her voice. This is powerful stuff. All right, now, this is powerful. Okay, so how can you say all of this, Father, when Mary really isn't in Scripture. Well, actually, she is. The entire first chapter of Luke, 26 to 56, is about Mary. The whole entire Hail Mary. Where's where's Mary in the Bible? Well, start with the Hail Mary prayer. The Hail Mary prayer is in the Bible. Let's look at our next slide. All right, let's keep this up for a little bit. What did the angel say when the angel came to Mary? Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Well, let's look at that slide. Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with you. Then the next slide, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. Well, Elizabeth called Mary holy. That means blessed. So she's basically calling her, um, or excuse me, she called her blessed. That's basically calling her holy. When something is blessed, it's holy. So when Elizabeth said, blessed are you among women, she's basically saying, Blessed are you among women. In fact, that's the exact words of the prayer. And blessed is the fruit of your womb. She says, the child in your womb is blessed. Blessed is, are you and the child that is in your womb. They are blessed. Then she says, how is it that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Holy Mary, she called her blessed, mother of God. So basically, this whole Hail Mary prayer is in the first chapter of Luke. You know, it's funny because now we could take the slide down, but you see the point. Now, David also is important in this role because after Elizabeth said, how is it the mother of my Lord should come to me? You know, that's exactly what David said in 2 Samuel 6, chapter 9 and following. How is it that the ark of my Lord should come to me? Well, wait a minute, Father, Mary in one, but ark in the other. That's why Mary is the new ark. The old Ark of the Covenant housed the old law, the stone tablets. The new Ark of the Covenant, Mary, in her womb, hold or held the new law. The law of the Spirit, Jesus Christ. Also, David took the Ark up into the hillside of Judea for three months. Do you know that Mary went up into the hillside of Judea to take care of Elizabeth for three months? Do you know many archaeologists and, and theologians, I should say, say that the, it was the exact same place where David took the Ark of the Covenant was where Mary went to visit Elizabeth up in the hillside of Judea. 
Elizabeth, many say, uh, Stephen Ray says this, my good friend, was the same place. And then it said, what did David do before the Ark of the Old Covenant? He danced. And then what does it say Mary, when, or excuse me, what did it say John the Baptist did? When the voice of Mary was spoken, it says in scripture, at the sound of Mary's voice, the child leapt in the womb. And as Scott Hahn points out, the word for leapt, the same word is danced. Look at the connections here. Then Mary goes on. This is the most powerful one. And says, all generations will call me blessed. So I always say, if Mary in scripture says all generations will call her blessed, why can't Protestants? Why can't non-Catholics? All right, so let's continue this theme. Let's go to the next slide. You might have seen this one before. The church fathers referred to Mary most as the new Eve. Of all the titles they gave her, here we have Adam and Eve messing things up for us, right? Well, the church fathers come in and actually say, Mary cleaned it up along with Jesus. Jesus is the new Adam. Mary is the new Eve. So let's talk about this. All right, from here, I'm gonna steal from Justin Martyr and Tertullian, all right? Here's what's powerful. Here's what Justin Martyr said. Eve was a virgin and undefiled, but because she was disobedient, she conceived the false word of the serpent and gave birth to suffering and death in the world. Mary was also a virgin and undefiled, but because she was obedient, not disobedient, she conceived not the serpent, but the true word incarnate. And she gave birth not to suffering and death like Eve, but to the God-man who brought salvation. So here's Tertullian, listen to this. So the same sex that conceived and brought death into the world, the female, had to be the same sex that would conceive and restore life into the world, the female. Now, I always ask my catechism class, all right, guys, when Satan overthrew in the garden, did he overthrow the man or the woman? And all the boys say he overthrew the woman, and all the girls say he overthrew the man. <laughs> so all the girls say he overthrew Adam, all the boys say he overthrew Eve. Who did Satan overthrow? Did Satan overthrow Adam or Eve? Tell us what you think in the comments. <laughs> Because I'll tell you the answer. Satan overthrew both the man and the woman. He didn't overthrow just Adam. He didn't overthrow just Eve. Satan overthrew Adam and Eve together. So Tertullian says if Satan overthrew both the man and the woman, it's going to take both a new man and a new woman to liberate humanity from Satan. Think about that. If Satan overthrew both a man and a woman, it's going to take both a man and a woman to liberate humanity from Satan. Hence, Jesus, the new Adam, and Mary, the new Eve. This is why we turn to Mary. This is why we consecrate to her. Well, Father, I'm not Catholic, and my Protestant fathers teach us this is a bad thing. Well, I'm not so sure. Remember, Fulton Sheen said, Millions of people hate what they think is the Catholic Church, but very few hate what actually is the Catholic Church. 
So I'd like to read you a quick quote and see if you know who said this, because this is powerful. It's not long. We are all children of Mary. Mary is the mother of Jesus and the mother of us all. If Christ is ours, his mother is also ours. She, the lady above heaven and earth, here passes the woman who is raised far above all women, indeed above the whole human race. No woman is like unto thee. Thou art more than an empress, more than a queen. Blessed above all nobility, wisdom, or saintliness. I always ask who said that. People say John Paul II, St. Louis de Montfort. No, look on your screen. You know who said that? Martin Luther. <laughs> the father of the Protestant Reformation. I always laugh. People carry that quote laminated in your pocket. And when a non-Catholic says to you, you have no right to honor Mary, say, well, gee, your father did, your Protestant father, Martin Luther. Look what he said. Now we also have great Catholic saints that have given us a perspective of Mary. What about Maximilian Kolbe? Look at our next slide. Never be afraid of loving the Blessed Virgin Mary too much. You can never love her more than Jesus did. All right, let's go to the next slide after that. Again, Maximilian Kolbe. All right, the Immaculata alone, or the Immaculate alone, has from God the promise of victory over Satan. She seeks souls that will consecrate themselves entirely to her, that they will become in her hands forceful instruments for the defeat of Satan and the spread of God's kingdom. All right, now there are different ways to consecrate. This is where I'm wrapping up now. Our next slide shows the most traditional and for centuries the most common and the main way to consecrate. This is the St. Louis de Montfort 33 days to consecration, or I should say consecration to Mary, using a 33-day approach. And so the title of that is a total consecration according to St. Louis Marie de Montfort. And it's preparing, it's a way to prepare. And so what we see is a opportunity to come to Jesus through Mary. All right, now, Father Mike Gately, let's look at our next slide, developed an extremely popular, popular and awesome way because, you know, St. Louis de Montfort's preparation was done centuries ago, and, you know, it was a little difficult for some people. It had a lot of litanies and, and a lot of drawn-out prayers and a lot the, lost the attention of a lot of people. And Father Mike Gately is a master at being able to synthesize things and bring it to more of a simplistic term, and he uses this in 33 Days to Morning Glory a beautiful way of daily preparation through 33 days of morning, uh, or excuse me, um, prayer preparation. Now, why does he use the term morning glory in the title? Well, consecrating yourself to Jesus through Mary, he says, marks the beginning of a glorious new day. It's a new dawn, a brand new morning in one spiritual journey. It's a fresh start. It changes everything. Hence the term morning glory glory. So it's beautiful. Now, I don't want to get into all the levels of the book and all that because I'm running out of time here, but basically it's usually, consecration is usually done in a church, um, you know, at a church or church setting following maybe the mass. It's a beautiful way to do it. Um, it's tradition, not mandatory if you're in a state of grace to go to confession 
within seven days prior to the consecration, but you do not have to, as long as you're in a state of grace, it's, that's the important thing. Now, we didn't do 33 days of preparation together before this, but I want to read the preparation, or excuse me, the consecration prayer right now that Father Mike gives us. And pray in your heart for just a second right now if you feel in any way you're ready or prepared to consecrate to Mary or maybe to renew your consecration. In many ways, this is a beautiful gift that you've maybe already done your Marian consecration and you would like to renew it, or if you've never done it, but after listening to this talk, you say, you know what, Father? I want to make this consecration to Mary. This is powerful stuff. And so right now, you don't have to. This is not mandatory, but if God puts in your heart a movement to consecrate to his mother, let's read this prayer of consecration that Father Mike Gately gives us in 33 days to morning glory. Let's look at our next slide. I, Father Chris Alar, a repentant sinner, renew and ratify today in your hands, O Immaculate Mother, the vows of my baptism. I renounce Satan and resolve to follow Jesus Christ even more closely than before. Mary, I give you my heart. Please set it on fire with love for Jesus. Make it always attentive to his burning thirst for love and for souls. Keep my heart in your most pure heart, that I may love Jesus and the members of his body with your own perfect love. Mary, I entrust myself totally to you, my body and soul, my goods, both interior and exterior, and even the value of all my good actions. Please make of me all that I am and have, whatever most pleases you. Let me be a fit instrument in your immaculate and merciful hands for the bringing the greatest possible glory to God. If I fail, please lead me back to Jesus. Wash me in the blood and water that flow from his pierced side and help me never to lose my trust in his fountain of love and mercy. With you, O Immaculate Mother, you who always do the will of God, I unite myself to the perfect consecration of Jesus as he offers himself in the spirit to the Father for the life of the world to come. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You know, this is a powerful mother. And when we consecrate to her, we're giving her our all. Now, if you don't feel you're quite ready for that, I'd like to finish with two other ways you can still honor Mary and maybe part of your process of working towards a consecration. If you did just consecrate to Mary and you mean it, that means you'll live it and know that you're in my prayers. If you're still, Father, I'm a little hesitant about this, maybe you can start with a couple Marian devotions. I'd like to share the two with you that work for me in an incredible way. I've done all the prayers in the Venus to Our Lady, and there are two that have never failed me. And I'd like to share them both with you. And this is, we'll wrap up the day. One is Our Lady Undoer of Knots. Let's look at that on our screen. This is Our Lady Undoer of Knots. 
Um, this one is really basically telling us what I just said about Eve. Eve tied us into a bunch of knots and Mary undoes them. See her hands? What's she got in her hands there? She's got a rope. She's basically undoing these knots that, uh, that Eve gave to us. Let, her, let the Blessed Mother undo the difficult knots in your life. Our Lady, undoer of knots, pray for her help. So come to Our Lady, undoer of knots. You know, Mary there is standing, um, you know, above all. In fact, Pope Francis uh, brought this devotion from Germany. So Our Lady, undoer of knots, if you're in a mess, might be a good one. You've tied your own knots. Eve tied our knots. We've tied plenty ourselves. Ask Mary to untie them. I love that picture. She's actually literally untying those knots. Let's go to the final one that I love so much, and this is Our Lady of Good Success. You recognize that picture? Kind of extravagant in one way, non-Catholics would say, but that's what a mother is, beauty. Our Lady of Good Success is a powerful tool. It was the apparition to a nun in Ecuador back in 1600, and it predicted a spiritual catastrophe in the Catholic Church and in society beginning, quote, shortly after the middle of the 20th century. That would be the 1960s, and that's where I think our mess started really becoming widespread. We got a lot of moral corruption now, profanation of the sacrament of matrimony, lack of defense for life in the womb, depraved priests. This is, now actually, let me read you what this nun said. These are her words now, not mine. She said, at this time, after the beginning of the middle of the 20th century, there would be widespread moral corruption, profanation of the sacrament of matrimony, depraved priests who will scandalize the faithful and cause suffering for good priests, unbridled luxury, which will ensnare many souls, loss of innocence among children and the loss of modesty among women, lack of priestly and religious vocations, she said that the current period of catastrophe would be followed by a period of restoration. This seems to tie with my talk on Fatima last week and all the way back to my talk on the end times. It's amazing how this all fits together. Mother Mariani, who was the nun in Ecuador that was, um, received these apparitions, died in 1635. And when her tomb was opened in 1906, her body was found incorrupt. I've always wondered, where is science? You know, we hear the slightest little thing that might appear to go against our Christian faith. They're all over it. But what about exhuming a body that's been in the grave for 300 years and it's totally incorrupt? How do you explain that? There's only one way, faith. And this is what we have. So to summarize everything, if you want to know everything that I talked about here today, you can summarize it in the word fiat, which means yes. Mary gave it. God is asking us to give it. So I'm going to summarize everything in this talk for you in one minute. All the commandments that God has ever given can be summarized into one. Do the will of God. Even, the, you know, love God as your God, love your neighbor as yourself, even all that jumps up 
to one commandment, do the will of God. That is the one main thing we're judged on. So how do we do that? How do you do the will of God? By saying yes to him. God, I say yes, I'm going to do your will. Well, how do you say yes to God? By showing him that you trust him. Well, how do you show them that you trust them? By taking their advice and accepting the help they offer you. What's God's main tool of help given to us? Mary. So when you do this and you accept this, you say yes to God, which is like Mary, your fiat. This is doing the will of God, and that is how you get to heaven. And Mary is your guide to help you in the surest, easy, and quickest way to get to heaven. You can't beat that. God bless all of you. And if you haven't made your Marian consecration, or maybe if you did just with us, please don't take it lightly. If you made that consecration, live it. If you were a little hesitant, pray on it. But just know she's there to help you, not to hinder you. And so we look at this from so many angles of God's graces abundantly given to us. So God bless you. And before I give you the final blessing, I'd like to say that we have an opportunity to share with you a gift of Father Mike Gately's 33 Days to Morning Glory on ebook. And that ebook is a wonderful way that you can get for free. If you just text the word join, if you want to get some updates of our Marians, fathers and our divine mercy stuff, there's no charge, but you text join to 49892. Okay, so 49892, or you can go on the web to marian.org slash SMS. And you can get um, uh, enrolled here. It's again, it's just a simple text. If you want to get some periodic updates, we don't, um, you know, we don't charge anything. And they're, and they're just fun. They're fun updates on things, what's going on, um, you know, maybe things about our talks and whatnot. So again, text JOIN to 49892 or visit marion.org slash SMS. And we'll send you a free ebook copy of Father Mike Gately's 33 Days of Morning Glory. Now, if you're old school and you'd rather get the book itself, you can also visit shopmercy.org slash Saturday, where I have the resources that I've been talking about during these last several weeks, and you can order Father Mike Gately's 33 Days to Morning Glory in the hard copy form, which again is shopmercy.org slash Saturday. So thank you, everyone, for joining me. God bless all of you. And next week, I'm going to be talking about how we are obligated to vote as Catholics. Don't worry. I'm not going to tell you to support a particular candidate or political party. But we are going to tell you what the Catholic Church says about what you must do regarding voting. Is it obligatory that you vote? Do you always have to vote? Can you sometimes not vote? What are the most important issues? What's the preeminent issue? We'll cover all that. So we hope you'll join us next Saturday as we give that talk on the proper Catholic forming of conscience in voting. So until then, may Almighty God bless you and yours in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen and God bless you. Why be a Marian helper? 
because we, Marian Fathers, celebrate a Mass for you and all our members each and every day. You can share in all the prayers, good works, and merits of all the Marian priests and brothers around the world. And now you can share the graces just as if you were a Marian priest or brother. Every All Souls Day, we see a Mass for all the deceased members of the Association of Marian Helpers. Again, there's no way that after we die, we can help ourselves. But we have to rely on the prayers of those here on earth. And we members of the Marian Fathers will be praying for you as a deceased member of our association. You can share in the graces of the perpetual novena to the divine mercy. Remember Jesus told St. Faustina that the chaplet of divine mercy is one of the most powerful prayers we can make. And every day here at the shrine of divine mercy, we pray it and you can share in those graces. So if you have any questions or you wanna learn more how to be a Marian helper, please visit micprayers.com or call 1-800-462-7426 and let me personally pray for you and your loved ones. Thank you and may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily Masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.